Support for NPRmageddon comes from Biomechanica's Artisanal Cybernetics. Witness the signature piece of the collection, The Murder Hand, fusing a vibrant pre-calamity heritage with an appealing bohemian aesthetic. Biomechanica, the viscera of luxury. You're listening to NPR Mageddon, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. The voices you know, the voices you trust, that aren't in your head, in your head. From NPR Mageddon in Los Angeles, I am Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley. Rats, mice, bunny rabbits, residents of Los Angeles are no strangers to filthy rodents. But there's a new breed of pest whose appearance is as unusual as its habits. We go to Colin Kelly for more. The citizens of Los Angeles pride themselves on being tough-minded and ready for anything. But earlier this week, a new kind of mouse has appeared to come out of nowhere and freak everyone out. I woke up and I saw this mouse staring at me. I thought it looked kind of funny somehow, but then I realized it had a human ear growing out of its back. And, and what happened next? It just sat there, listening. Ear mouse sightings number in the thousands, and chances are you have an ear mouse in your home right now, and you don't even know it. I found an ear mouse hanging upside down underneath my kitchen table. Who knows how long it had been hanging there? I mean, they must have pretty sticky feet to hang upside down like that. And like any new animal mankind comes across, the inevitable question must be asked. Can you eat it? Chef Marcel specializes in cooking all manner of rodents. No matter what I try, I cannot make this ear mouse taste good. Have you tried frying it in butter? Of course! Yet somehow this creature is impervious to butter. And even if you can manage to eat one, you'll be puking 15 minutes later. It makes no sense. It's as though these things have been engineered not to be eaten. The sudden appearance of the ear mouse has led political activist Hart Fisher to call into question the claims that the ear mouse is just an ordinary mutated animal. Ordinary mutation, my ass. Sickening mutation, more like it. Our government is spying on us. All of us. And if you don't believe me, just cut open the eardrum on one of those little bastards and you'll find a tiny transmitter inside. And remember, folks, somebody put that in there. That was directed action. And don't even get me started on the taste. Just fucking yuck. President Skullgore held a press conference to address the ear mouse infestation and deny any allegations of government involvement. Now, due to my commitment to partial transparency, I will answer any question that I don't have a problem with. Colin Kelly, NPR Mageddon. Uh, Sir, does that mean to say that the government denies all involvement with the ear mouse infestation? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. But due to my deep commitment to public safety, that's all I'm prepared to say at this time. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm running late for a public execution. And I don't want to leave anybody hanging. Regardless of whether it's an ordinary mutation or secret government plot, the ear mouse does have its fans. At the end of a long day at the killing field, it's so nice to have somebody to talk to, you know? I actually ended up customizing mine by piercing the human ear on its back. Now we match. So cute, right? Cute or unsettling, one thing's for certain. There's an ear mouse listening to everything I say. Colin Kelly, NPR Mageddon.
Education is the greatest gift you can give your children. I mean, apart from food and a weapon and the training they need to defend themselves, which is sort of like education. I guess what I'm saying is education is the third best gift you can give your children, with the caveat that I'm defining education narrowly as practical survival skills. Obviously, I'm not talking about stupid shit like math. Thank you. The last time Betatech spokesman Fred Willard joined us, we learned about a former slave distribution center in Echo Park that the company transformed into an even larger slave distribution center. But alternative labor innovations are but one bullet in Betatech's gun for future-proofing the Los Angeles of tomorrow. Fred, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. I understand Betatech's latest initiative is tackling a very serious problem. Yes, Brian, drug abuse. Opium, cocaine, and drip dealers have become huge problems in our fair city. And in the name of public well-being, we intend to stamp them out. Now, is that true, or is this just more corporate speak? Corporate speak? Listen, individually, 100% of those words are true. Individually? Yes, opium, cocaine, and drip are huge problems in our fair city. Do you agree with me? Can I get you to go there? Yes, of course. And can you tell me why... Jonesing, side effects, withdrawals? You're so close. The problem isn't drugs. Drugs make you feel great. Jonesing doesn't happen when you're on drugs. Side effects don't matter when you're on drugs. And withdrawals, Brian, can't happen... When you're on drugs. Exactly. It's all the stuff that happens in between. When you're not on drugs... That's when it gets bad, am I right? No. Hear me out. At Betatech, we're committed to making people happy. Drugs are a reliable source of happiness. So why not create an Internet of Drugs? What's an Internet? It doesn't matter. All that matters is we're buying up and connecting small business distribution facilities. This means more drugs, faster drugs, less downtime, less bad times. But how? All right, picture this. You're cruising in Santa Monica on a Sunday night. Reach into your pocket and, hey, you're clean out of drugs. And your regular dealers all the way over in Burbank. What are you going to do? I don't know. Go back to Burbank or, or die or, or die something? Or die or something. Yes, that's the old way. Here's the better tech way, the better way. What if I told you instead of cold sweats and dope sickness, you had a biomonitoring GPS device in your forearm? And that when your levels dip, when you come off that glorious high and start crashing, our closest franchise operation, could be as close as a block or two away, gets alerted. Then more drugs get delivered to you in minutes, complete with a street pharmacy specialist to offer a courtesy assist with your first hit. We're also onlining drone delivery in select markets. That all sounds lethally efficient. I thought you said you're stamping out these drug dealers. We're stamping them with the Betatech brand, and we're getting them all to talk to each other. Horizontal and vertical integration from lab to lobe or nose or whatever. That's the wave of the future. Fred, that thing you do that you're doing right now, you're doing that to me again. And again and again. That is consistency. You'll never not be high. And isn't getting high the goal of recreational drugs? I Guess so, yeah. All right, and can I take you through one more scenario? Yeah, go ahead. All right, drip is great, but it makes you feel what? 
hot and itchy. We all know that. So you get home after a long day, take off your pants, and sit there and roast as the drip takes over. Right? Right. Well, not with Betatech. The thermostat in your bunker is connected to your biomonitor. As you crank it up, your thermometer cranks it down. Now, how cool is that? You know, if I were to look past the sheer awfulness of this whole thing, I'd say that's actually pretty clever. Not clever. Better. Thank you, friend. Can we commune with the spirits of the dead? Yes, and it's abhorrent. NPR Megan's Peter Podgurski has the spooky details of one disgusting woman who would like to do that for some reason. Spooks, specters, phantasms, apparitions, shades, spirits, visions, ghosts, haunts, poltergeists, wraiths? In the past, people had these things called thesauruses that could easily generate such lists. More to the point of this story, a psychic dubbed Love Child Sagittarius claims to enjoy direct contact with the dead, and she's taking the phrase, things that go bump in the night, to a whole new level. Sure, I commune with the dead, but it's more than commune. They inhabit me. I inhabit them. It's an interdimensional transference of energies, and it is intensely pleasurable. Does she use this amazing power to help grieving family members find peace with their deceased loved ones? Such a higher calling is not particularly high on Love Child's list. I don't care about the families. My spirit men left their families. They hated them so much they died. So why didn't they move on to a better place? But they did. It's the best place in the universe. My Lady Chakra. We are on the precipice of a pyramidal confluence, and this is just the tip, baby. Love Child invited me to the room where she liaisons with her spirit men. The room is a soft pink with accents that include iridescent curtains and the sounds of a sitar floating from a tape deck. A stick of Nag Champa incense fills the room with a spicy earthiness. Here she allegedly communes with the dead in marathon sessions, often one-on-one, but sometimes two or even three at a time. Her record is seven. I call it seventh heaven. Love is love, baby. Love is love. But that doesn't sit well with the widows of these dead men. It's absurd. It's disgusting. I I hope she chokes on a ghost wiener. The lady is just greedy. Please, love child, if you're listening, don't keep all that haunting to yourself. I want to be haunted, too, over and over and over and over and over. For now, these pleas have fallen on deaf ears. These women create many different lies for their hostile energies. But the true reason is very simple. Everyone is jealous of my ghost-busting. Ghost-busting? Are you harming these spirit men in any way? No, no, not at all. I am not busting ghosts. The ghosts are busting on me. They're busting on you? I mean, no, do you, do you mean, wait a minute, how can I say this? Um, you know what, can't, uh, we're just gonna have to leave it there. Peter Podgurski, NPR Mageddon.
A steady flow of young people into street gangs is essential to maintaining a gang's health. New members bring energy and enthusiasm to a gang, and to avoid the pitfalls of shrinking membership, gangs try to recruit new members every year. And it's that time of year again. We sent reporter Tori True to the Los Angeles Gang Fair to see how this year's crop of violent criminals is shaping up. Nearly 10,000 disaffected young people are downtown for the Los Angeles Gang Fair this week. I spoke to gang representative Grant Wellington, known by his gang name Sleepy Bad Dreams, about the appeal of gang membership. I can't speak for the other organizations, but I must say that our gang tallyho offers brotherhood, protection, and the joy of making your enemies suffer. Is the gang hard to join? Not at all. It's the easiest thing in the world to join our gang tallyho. Just a pledge, and once you're in, you are in. And what would you say to prospective members checking out other gangs? Ah, problematic, to say the least. Join another organization and we'll shoot you just as soon as look at you. We're generally out to shoot everyone who's not a member of our gang tally ho. What about innocence caught in the crossfire? Innocence? There's no such thing. They are guilty of not being in the gang tally ho. It's quite simple. And do you have a strong alumni network? No need. You're not allowed to leave the gang, Tallyho. But we do have six weeks of paternity leave. We're not savages. Sleepy Bad Dreams went on to say that the event is complete with seven evening workshops, including shanking, stabbing, piercing, sticking, wounding, puncturing, and gashing. So I'd avoid hanging around after dark if you're not part of the gang fair. Tory True, NPR Mageddon. One of the biggest challenges in healthcare right now is the lack of proper medical infrastructure. And even if you manage to find a hospital or clinic, the quality of the care received is often substandard due to severe blood shortages. Community organizer Count Gordeval seeks to change all that and is with us now. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Count. Ah, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> so, as I understand it, you're organizing a blood drive. Can you tell our listeners a little more about that? Blood is a, it's a great passion of mine. And I'd like to see every able-bodied citizen come out and donate. And where can they do that? Well, you can get full information at CountGorder.com, but my bloodmobile will be driving all across Los Angeles. Tonight, we're going to set up at the Tar Pits, and I encourage all of your listeners to come down for a pint. <laughs> and what hours will you be open? We want to get as many people donating as possible. That's why my bloodmobile will be operating from dusk all the way until dawn. Wouldn't it be easier to operate during the day? Okay. So after the blood is gathered, how is it distributed to the hospitals that need it? Uh, What are you talking about? (laughs) I just assumed the blood drive was to help the hospitals? No, no, no. It doesn't have anything to do with that. Then why organize a blood drive? Uh, I'm so glad you asked. I have always been a big fan of humans in general and human blood in particular. So, am I to understand that you are not human? Uh, No comment. 
And am I correct in saying that you're piggybacking on the well-publicized blood shortages in order to acquire blood for personal use? That guy's got wheat, doesn't he? So you're a vampire, right? Yes, totally. I'm a vampire, yes. <laughs> Why would you think that anyone would voluntarily come to donate blood to a vampire? I'm giving out free suckers. Free suckers? Well, that changes everything. We'll be sure to see you and your bloodmobile at dusk. Thanks, Count. And by suckers, I mean I suck your blood. <laughs> you should have quit while you were ahead. Suckers. <laughs> In order to promote diversity, NPR-mageddon would like to remind you that mutants are gross and stupid, but that doesn't mean they're useless, necessarily. Filthy, medial tasks don't complete themselves, after all. So please, try to be tolerant of this subhuman scum. It's not their fault they're disgusting. Thank you. The Lost Angelino Armed Forces is always looking for a few good men and women to fill its ranks. And thanks to a new government mandate, combat jobs are open to non-humans as well. Xenon Mukluk, the leader of CHOMP, Citizens Helping Our Mutant People, had this to say about the new mandate. When it comes to mutants fighting alongside normal humans, we just want our own place at the table. The dinner table? So we can eat them! <laughs> but no, seriously, we're happy to lend a hand. When we ripped off a human guy! <laughs> In response to the CHOMP statement, a counter-movement has been organized. They're called PAM, an acronym that stands for PAM Against Mutants, which is really just one woman, named PAM. We don't know anything about these people. How are they going to occupy the same combat roles as normal folks? And we have no idea how big they dicks is. Without a proper measuring protocol in place, what are we going to do? Trust self-reporting? Army, read my lips. Measure they dicks. Addressing the thorny question of mutants in the military requires a deft touch, a thorough understanding of history, and keen journalistic instincts. Absent all that, we'll settle for Katie Merriam with more on this story. The government mandate opening up combat jobs to non-humans, also known as the Badass Mutant Army Mandate, has met strong resistance from veterans. Not all mutants have supernatural abilities, you know, unless but ugly is a supernatural ability. Old Man Stemson is a combat veteran of countless wars and is vehemently against the inclusion of mutants in the armed forces. Mutants are bone, stick, stone, stupid. And a bone, a stick, or a stone could probably do as well as most of these mutants. And now we expect our young human men and women to fight alongside of them. What about the soldiers that have been serving in the armed forces but are keeping their mutation secret? I say keep it that way. If they can pass as human, that's fine by me. But some of these guys, there's just no hiding it. And while the older generation is usually horribly prejudiced, what about the young men and women who are currently serving? I say bring them on. Major Gordon is a proponent of mutants in the military. I don't care what you look like. If you can stand in the way of a bullet or a spear, we can use you. And what about the concerns that the physical standards to join the military might have to be altered to accommodate mutants? Those concerns are completely unfounded. The mutants will have a very specialized role in the military. The standards for normal people will remain normal. What kind of role did you envision? Well, some of them are like pill bugs. They just roll around. 
Fine, but will the armed forces be segregated? Hell yeah, it will. Have you seen these mutants? There is no way we give them the same rights as a human soldier. We want to stick them right on the front lines. It's dangerous out in front. But wouldn't that mean they would need superior weaponry and training? No, no. You've got it all wrong. Don't think of them as traditional soldiers. Instead, think of them as a kind of a shield made of meat. So the military wants to use mutants to basically soak up the brunt of an attack. Exactly. But there's also a psychological element at play. How so? When the enemy sees what we're willing to do to our soldiers, they'll think twice about messing with the United States of Los Angeles. It's clear the Los Angeles Armed Forces is evolving. But the real question is, is it mutating? Well, that's what this whole segment was about. Katie Merriam, NPR Armageddon. Now have some breaking news. Violence has erupted at the Los Angeles gang fair. We join our own Tory True for more. Tory, the street gangs have gathered peacefully, so this couldn't possibly be gang-related, correct? What do you think, Brian? You gather together over 200 gang members in one place. How can the violence not be gang-related? Now one must keep an open mind until all the facts are in. I'm telling you the facts! Just because there are a couple bad apples doesn't give you license to paint all gang members as violent. It's too broad a brush. I'm not worried about their feelings. And isn't that the problem? You resort to slandering a group as violent when we should be having a dialogue. Dialogue? Let me tell you about dialogue. Sleepy Bad Dreams just screamed tally-ho and declared a gang war on everybody that isn't in his gang. Then everything went to hell. Well, I don't know what that proves. Tally ho! Oh, my arm! I've been shot in the arm. Why'd you send me out here, Brian? This is all your fault. <laughs> and now you're pointing fingers at me? Man, you are some piece of work, pal. Now why don't you try to put your prejudice aside for one second? and focus on what I'm sure are numerous other possible causes for the ruckus downtown. Ruckus? I'm tripping over corpses to find a place to hide. tally These people are monsters! I'm getting the fu- No, no, no. Demonizing is not going to get us anywhere. Not on my program. So we'll leave it there for now. That was Tori True reporting live from what appears to be some kind of ruckus downtown where details are yet to be determined. And now a special message from the Blood Pope. You think you've had it bad? Let me tell you about my life! I finally found the truth. I thought they had cloned me, and it turns out I'm the clone. The Blood God told me so. But here's my question. Where are they keeping the real me? I could escape, but I don't want to leave without him. I never had a strong father figure, and this gives me hope. Maybe we could go fishing, he could teach me a tie-tie. I don't know, I have so much to learn. I'm only 10 hours old. Anyway, that's what I have been dealing with. Now seriously, leave me alone. Plagues, hexes, turning people inside out? Why do dark arts practitioners do such awful things? 
Well, Timothy is here to apologize for all of it. He is a provocateur, a dark arts activist, and the author of The Eternal Identity, a book that was banned even before reading was outlawed. Now, Timothy, many people want to shoot your kind in the streets, don't they? Many people want to abolish the dark arts. This thinking has been propagandized by the Blood Church and current Blood Pope Juan Castro II. This has blood-eyed influence written all over it. <laughs> okay, here it comes. No, this is important. The pontiff claims that opposition to magic is loyalty to humanity. Others want to stick their head in the sand and decry that there is no such thing as magic. Tell me, Brian, how can you be opposed to something that doesn't even exist? That's not my position. So you agree that magic is legitimate? A legitimate threat to humanity, sure. How dare you? Your bloodite rhetoric is disgusting. Explain to me how such a small group of people, magic users, is responsible for such a large number of violent acts. It's self-defense. Fireballs is self-defense. Evil, giant fireballs. You give us no choice. When people like you spout off about how evil the dark arts are, others will try to solve the perceived problem. Again, we're talking about fireballs. Magical balls of fire. Fine. But dark arts retaliation is the reason why you don't want to agitate my community. Huh. And why is that? I feel like we would utterly destroy you if we were unified. <laughs> it wouldn't be particularly close. The dark arts is a vile stain on humanity. It, it prevents any of its practitioners from being fully human, Timothy. We must work together to dismantle magic use. But the dark arts is in our blood. No, no, it's learned behavior. You could choose not to use magic. You want my people to give up the defining characteristic of our identity. What gives you the right? Your side is killing people. Violence is not exclusive to the dark arts community. Tell that to the humans sacrificed in the name of the dark arts. What about the human sacrifices in the blood church? Oh, please. You've been invited on to talk about the dark arts. Leave religion out of it. You're just muddying the water. So basically, what you're saying is, it's okay when we do it. Yes, it's called true freedom. So your definition of freedom only works one way. People are free to submit to the one and only true religion. You know, I'm so glad that people are hearing this. Are you even listening to yourself? It's no secret that the church controls the media through its soft power influence, and this is a textbook example. I'm so glad that people are exposed to your bizarre conspiracy theories, but for the record, I am an independent journalist, dependent on the state, and the church only provides an occasional helpful suggestion. Admit it. You're a shill. I'm a shill for good, damn it. I'm a shill for justice. I'm a shill for bringing witches and warlocks in and then burning them at the stake. Oh, so you promote violence as well. It's not as scary when we do it. Unbelievable. Timothy, since you seem to be so allergic to violence, I want you on this program to disavow dark arts terrorism. Can you even do that? I'll do you one better. I will disavow the root cause of this problem. Oh, I wonder where we're going with this. You invited me on this program to speak. Let me speak. Fine, go ahead. I will disavow the root cause of this problem, our authoritarian system of government and our violent theocrats, state-sponsored religion. You're just blaming the church for your own inadequacies. Why not take responsibility for your actions? Actions like, oh, I don't know, casting fireballs into groups of innocent people. They're not innocent. They're guilty of bigotry. Well, you know what? I I'm sick of you talking in circles. I am disavowing this entire conversation. You can't do that. I'm the host. I can do whatever I want. Well, I disavow your disavowal. This conversation didn't even happen. Oh, good. 
I, I didn't want it to happen. Good. Fine, then. Uh, fine. Well, then, thanks for not coming. You're welcome for not having me. Wasn't even here. Not by. Not by. You're listening to NPR Mageddon, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. Because when you don't have a toothbrush to clean your teeth, you'll consider a damp rag. We've got more on that ruckus downtown from Tori True. Are you there, Tori? Uh, I'm in really bad shape, Brian. I, I tried to seek help from sleepy bad dreams, but he ended up using me as a human shield. I I can't feel my legs. I'm riddled with bullet holes. I think this might be the end. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Tori. Do you have any last words? I just want to tell my family that I love them very, very much. Uh, is that all? Yeah, that pretty much covers it. Now, are you sure there is nothing more that you'd like to say? No. Well, the last time we spoke, you made some very offensive comments about gang members, if you remember. I just thought you'd want to apologize, frankly. I'll see you in hell, Brian. I'll see you in hell. Gosh, I can tell you've lost a lot of vital fluids. So I'm going to make the decision to fight your hate with love. I accept your apology, and you are forgiven for your prejudice, your ignorance, and your jumping to conclusions. Goodbye forever, Tori, and tally-ho. And now with our Betatech First Alert Traffic Update, Here's John. If the traffic is smooth or if it's slow, here's the person who's sure to know, do No. There is a big sig alert in North Hollywood. A malevolent entity has caused vehicles to disappear on the southbound 170 at Sherman Way. Malevolent entity? John, what are we dealing with here? Let me explain why your question is irrelevant. Evolution has shaped us with perceptions that allow us to survive. They guide adaptive behaviors, but part of that involves hiding from us the stuff we don't need to know. And that's pretty much most of reality, whatever reality might be. And if you had to spend your time trying to ponder the overwhelming totality of reality, this would leave you vulnerable to the very malevolent entity you're trying to escape. Okay, so what about the people who did not escape? Well, sometimes you're unlucky, Brian. I mean, come on, that's traffic. NPR Mageddon is brought to you in parts by the Count Gordeval Foundation. Committed to the procurement of blood from local populations to feed hungry vampires. Donate a pint today, or else we'll get it some other way. In which case, it could be much more than a pint. That's not a threat. It's a promise. Now we move on to the world of science in our There's Always Room for Science segment. Science Rules! Sponsored by SmogCloud Pharmaceuticals. SmogCloud Pharmaceuticals. Pick your poison. 
we're joined by our science correspondent, Laurel Vale. What have you got for us today, Laurel? Well, today I thought we'd examine an ear mouse live on the air. Oh, fun. Did you bring one with you or what? There's no need. I'm sure there's an ear mouse around here somewhere. Try checking under your console. Well, we run a pretty tight ship here at the station, Laurel. I seriously doubt we have any rodents lurking about. Humor me. All right, let me get down here and see if we... Oh, oh my word. Listeners, there is an ear mouse hanging upside down from underneath my console. What's it doing down there? It's listening. But why? No one knows. But, I mean... How, how, how does it hang there like that? Great question, Brian. Ear mouse feet have thousands of tiny hairs that create multiple contact points between the ear mouse and any surface. These hairs allow the ear mouse to scale walls or even hang upside down, just like a spider. Well, that is something. Go ahead and pry it off and put it into my smog cloud pharmaceutical science tray. Okay. Let's see here. Nope. It's not not happy with me, Laurel. Well, I'll just use my trusty, rusty science hammer and render the ear mouse dormant. You smashed in its skull. Looks pretty dormant to me. Now, there's a rumor that a small transmitter is inside the eardrum of the human ear on the mouse's back. Oh, that's just a conspiracy, Laurel. We'll see what my handy-dandy razor blade has to say on the matter. Oh, that's disgusting. That's science, Brian. And would you look at that? Listeners, I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't just seen it. There does appear to be a small transmitter embedded inside the ear. The government spying on its people. This is a test. NPR Mageddon is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. NPR Mageddon serves the United States of Los Angeles. This concludes this emergency broadcast system test. If this had been an actual emergency, you would have been commanded with instructions that you would not be allowed to question. Ever. And we're back? Uh, We're back, right? Uh, And we're back. Thanks again, Laurel, for telling us all about that science stuff, which we will never speak of again. I am so sorry. Shut up. They can hear you. You've been listening to NPRmageddon, and everything's fine. I'm Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley, your host, and I really, really hope to join you again next time. And remember, to live is to suffer, to survive is to find some meaning in that suffering. Good day. NPR Mageddon is written and produced by Peter Podgurski and Brian Keithley. Mixed by the incredible Amy Reed. The theme of NPR Mageddon is by Society Burning. Have you checked out the Etsy shop? Do it, Wastelander. Visit nprmageddon.etsy.com and buy a t-shirt or mug or something. Contact us at info at nprmageddon.com or call us at 213-437-9506 and give us a piece of your mind. And keep those reviews coming on Apple Podcasts. 
Here's one from Nicholas Name Sr. who said, Deranged and very funny. This show is not only hilarious, but really well produced and fully imagined. It's like a fusion of Mad Max and Mad Magazine. Mad Maxazine? A totally singular, unhinged delight. Added bonus, correspondents Brian and Peter have lovely voices. Well, Nicholas, flattery will get you everywhere. And speaking of lovely voices, here's the full cast of episode four, Let Me Bend Your Ear Mouse, Jello Biafra, Amy Landon, Brian Keithley, Colin Kelly, Miriam Bourbon, Jim Eusterman, Jeffrey Peterson, Hart D. Fisher, Lejean, Erica Ishii, Tayzon Day, Fred Willard, Peter Podgurski, Donna Lee Heising, Natalie Wachen, Angeline Underwood, Tori True, Martin Desmond Rowe, Count Gordeval, Melanie Troxler, Katie Miriam, Harlan Ellison, Gary Phillips, Neil Brown, Asterios Kokonos, Tim Durham, John Delancey, and Laurel Vale. A special shout out to NPR Mageddon's own Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing for the release of their comic, One Bad Day, Clayface. And a special, special shout out to horror host Count Gordeval, who's commemorating the 50th anniversary of his first show. Check out the excellent documentary about the Count. Every other day is Halloween. That'll about do it for us. Keep those reviews coming in. And until next time, thanks thanks for listening. Next time on NP Armageddon. Ixnay on the Ausmay when the ear mouse is declared the national bird. Ear mouse is good, the ear mouse is grand. The ear mouse always listens, so don't get out of hand. A sludge monster attacks Franklin Village, which deserves every second of it, believe you me. It's eating me alive from the inside. And a new food policy initiative promises to address the plight of the hungry. You call it hunger? We call it great. Plus brand new history and traffic. History is a harsh mistress, Brian. She is a harsh, harsh mistress. Featuring the voice talents of John Delancey, Harlan Ellison, Amy Landon, Asterios Kokonos, Jackson Lansing, Andrew Bowser, Tayzon Day, and many others. All this and more in NPR Mageddon Episode 5, Cut Off Your Head with a Chainsaw. We'll cut off your head. Yes, we'll cut off your head. Yes, we'll cut off your head with a chainsaw.